Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Scotland are two from two. Let's repeat that. We are two from two. Operation Grand Slam is a go. And it is David, Matt and Alan back to look back at the absolute gubbing that we handed out to Wales and do a little bit of looking forward to the march on Paris. Alan, I last saw you standing next to the piano in fingers belting out rocket man how are you feeling and i'm still there emotionally <laughs> mentally and emotionally still there <laughs> no it was great i mean you said literally obviously specifically a great match but just broadly a great day also um and yeah apologies we were going to get the podcast out on sunday night but i left my uh, laptop charger on a train so couldn't do it sadly <laughs> But maybe we weren't emotionally ready. You know, only the fact that it was 27 years ago that we last won two matches to, to, open, yeah. to open the five slash six nations. It's It was all a little bit much, even by Sunday night. It was it was a, it was a little bit much. Matt, you had a slightly calmer um, Saturday evening, but you enjoy it all the same. Yeah, well, it, for some context, it was due date for for my our, our first baby and. Um, but so it was allowed yeah no movement so it was allowed out to to celebrate the historic win uh admittedly on the non-alcoholic beers yeah. and it is it's quite an interesting experience when you're with sort of four or five people who've been hitting it hard since about 2 p.m but i thought everyone acquitted themselves quite well that's good it was it was the bet the, you left on the sort of the high moment that when our sort of ball our bald friend got called a pound shop um dave cherry in the queue for fingers piano bar that was a real moment for everybody as, as a, and also as a man who likes to think of himself as a pretty good looking chap as well it was <laughs> he, he it was a great it was a great moment to leave you're saying dave cherry's not a good looking chap i don't think dave cherry himself would say that he's a good looking chap 
I tell you, the, the worst part of the weekend is the fact that Fingers Piano Bar left us unread when we slipped into the DMs. Yeah. And then we rewarded them by going anyway. And I think was was the final straw that £114 round from uh, our Welsh friend who accidentally put it on his um, his joint account and got a bit of a telling off from his wife as well. <laughs> yeah. Just great stuff. Yeah, great end of the night. Um, well, enough of our absolute shit show of the early hours of the morning after Scotland's win against Wales. Um, we will come on to talk about the game, but a quick reminder of where you can engage with the Thistle if it's on Twitter. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Um, you can sl- you can send us some emails. We've had some emails in there. That's the Thistle Rugby at Gmail dot com. And our occasional newsletter, such as it is these days, is on Substack. But my God, when we write one, it is bloody good. So get that on uh, Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, Matt, let's just get right into it. I'll come to you first because you were watching on TV, which is a very different experience, obviously, from watching it in the stadium. Um, How good did we look? on that tv screen because in the in the uh in the stadium you know you feel the emotion you feel the sort of the the swell of it all but how did it look on tv i think once we got going from about the 45th 50th 50th minute mark and actually i'd say for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game it was just clear that if we got our act together our discipline was okay um we kept the ball then we were far better than than wales and I think that on paper, maybe we would have said that we were edging it, but the reality was that we were the far superior side. Um, and then, you know, overall, we've got to be like delighted with the, the win and the result, obviously making history. Um, and you heard Richie and Townsend saying that there's a lot of room for improvement. And I don't think that was just empty rhetoric. Like, I think there was, there actually is quite a lot of room for improvement, which is, is quite encouraging. But yeah, as I say, when, we we looked pretty composed in that first 10 minutes. And then when we got things clicking into gear from the 50th minute onwards, it it was genuine like joy to, to watch. I thought it, it generally felt quite easy for the, for the last sort of 25, 30 minutes. I, I felt, felt like, you know, Scotland were obviously doing a lot of great play, especially sort of via Finn, but it didn't, it just felt like it all came quite easily to them. Well, that, that was the thing that watching it and, the, the crowd noise actually from about the maybe 60th minute when it was clear that, you know, barring a complete disaster, we were going to win the game and probably win it comfortably. But it seems as if the atmosphere actually kind of like went down a couple of notches, not not in a terrible way, but that that speaks to your point, exactly that, that everyone was just sort of expecting to see out the game and had could sort of finally relax in the knowledge that we were comfortably better than than Wales. I, I agree with your point on the atmosphere. I think there were times when the it, it wasn't flat, but it was just like, oh, okay, this is really comfortable. And it was it was a particular once we sort of saw off and got in at halftime, sort of having seen off that last five minute spell with George Turner in the bin, and Wales didn't manage to get sort of peg themselves back in front, which it looked like they might. And then the second half, we just sort of turned the screw. Yeah, the last twenty minutes, it was a, a real joy, sitting back having a can of tenants and, and watching Scotland sort of safe in the knowledge that we were going to win. It was, it was weird, but very enjoyable. We should do it more. I was trying to think in the Six Nations when that last would have happened. 
outside of obviously an Italy match. When we beat Ireland in 17? No, nah, that was tight by the end. That was tight at the end. Yeah. Laid low. We were in the we were still in the lead when Laidlaw kicked that penalty though. I guess it was still tight though. Yeah, sort of within a score though. Yeah. Um, but no, r- rarely. <laughs> when we beat Wales that in that season as well, we sort of it was quite tight at half time and we pulled away. Yeah, that's probably the main example. To mm. be honest, probably probably England 2018 when we went in sort of like 21 three up at half time and it never quite felt like yeah. we were going to especially with the last 20 minutes to go. But, yeah, it it was almost, like, uncomfortably comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Don't, yeah. Don't, this is weird. I like it, but I don't like it. I think it was a time when I was, like, looking at the scoreboard, and I was like, we're 18 points ahead. And I was like, ah, oh, but we lost from 17 points ahead, like, not that long ago. So I can't really relax here. Yeah, the, the ghost of 2010 still haunts Yeah. <laughs> everyone oh. who watched that match. I think I think particularly when and we can come on and talk about it, but when um, Turner put the high tackle in on George North, I was like, "Yeah, this is a history repeating itself. There is a chance that he get red, gets red carded here." And I, yeah, I couldn't actually believe what was happening. Yeah, we were quite quite lucky on that one. Um, but oh, great to great that it was only a yellow because I, I agree it felt like we might be going back down that dark hole again. I mean, should we start? where everyone else has started and then we can go down niche rabbit holes matt finn russell particularly in the second half one of the best performances you've seen from him yeah absolutely i think that's the the thing that people have come to realize in the last like two years in particular that he is going to make mistakes he's going to get things wrong um and i think in that first 40 um he did some good things but also it, it was actually quite similar to last week that um you know he put that drop out um out in the full um a few of his kicks weren't really coming off and apart from the the, the miss pass that he he got to Hugh Jones that put Jones on the outside of Dyer and eventually put Stain in for the chance apart from that he sort of wasn't creating too much but he just seems to be able to like shrug off he he just plays seemingly so much in the moment that it doesn't matter what's gone on before in the game if he sees something and he, and he executes, then is likely to result in a try. And I think actually my favourite bit of the of the performance, in a sense, was obviously we know he can do the cross field kicks and the offloads, etc. But I think it was his, it was around the 50th minute mark when the game was still in the balance, um, and he put in that 50-22 that got us the line out, and then I think it was Stain that eventually scored off that line out. Just so so nice, like. Sort of seeing both bits of his his game there, the control and also the the flair that we know he can bring. So yeah, it was just an absolute joy to watch. So it looks it looks a little bit like Mark Dodson, maybe Tooney, and perhaps Finn as well have been listening to our podcast where we've been sort of urging him and Finn to get on the on the same page and sort of for the good of Scotland because Finn's sort of in the I think it was the Times and maybe in the offside line as well. His comments that their sort of relationship is in the best place ever. Um, and how he's sort of matured because he's had a kid. Just some very wholesome stuff coming out of Finn. I'm loving it. It's it's good to see. And, you know, can Alan, Tooney and Finn stay best friends until the end of the Six Nations and maybe even the World Cup? Do you think, do you think Dodson brought them both into the, the David Lloyd sauna for a sort of clear yeah. the air meeting pre-Six Nations? Just get everything <laughs> on the line. Read it in portions of the Riot Act. 
yeah door lock just like consistently like getting the heat up like finn was swe- sweating before he even got in the sauna yeah just it's i don't know i i don't <laughs> obviously finn is saying the right words but there's always a part of me that the way just what he's saying i, I don't quite believe it but i'm kind of happy yeah. to just play along all right let's just all play along till the world cup I think it's pretty clear that they don't have a particularly great relationship on a sort of personal level, but ultimately they're whatever a lot of Tooney's decisions are working for Scotland. I think also in terms of the way that, yeah. um, especially in terms of how they're able to kind of keep a level of performance into sort of the second half and, and beyond. And ultimately Finn has had probably, 80, 80 out of the 160 minutes have been, you know, really top drawer, sort of world class um, standoff play. And he's kind of being extremely clinical in very key moments for Scotland and is really making that team tick, you know, obviously, especially in the sort of second half against Wales. Um, so don't quite buy all, but let's all just, you know, put our heads in the sand and just move forward until it all inevitably crashes and burns in a couple of weeks' time. Jake Tooney's just been like, look, Finn, I'm leaving at the end of the World <laughs> Cup. Let's just let's just all let's just all get along for six months, all right? Yeah, no, exactly. I can't but also as a side note, can't believe how much Finn's daughter looks like Finn. Incredible, oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's I don't know <laughs> if unfortunate is the right word, but it's it's mental. Wow. Scotland women's ten is gonna be so good in like eighteen to twenty years. Can't wait. And and his missus is gonna be a, so like good. a his missus is a heptathlete, right, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty incredible pretty incredible genes. They've got yeah. to knock out a boy next. It's just gonna be so good. Imagine his talent with like an actual yeah. athletic body would be so yeah, good. Ex- exactly. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously the, the the headlines and everything goes to Finn, the offloads, the memes, everything has just been Finn, Finn, Finn. But you know, it was built upon another very, very solid sort of forward performance whereby we were getting solid ball on that platform, which is is required. Um another Richie Gray masterclass, Matt. Is he in the, is he in the form of his life? Are we loving it? I mean, it's it's hard to argue with that statement. Um, we he he was really good. I thought him and um, Tashinza's battle at the lineout was was really good actually. Um, and I think it was actually more even than I thought it would be. It's just his like work rate around the park for such a big guy. It must be like must require so much effort and like stress on like his joints to put in the work that he does. Um, and I think it was just before the um, halftime, before Dyer had dropped that try opportunity, made this like mad covering tackle on on Cuthbert. I think it was. Maybe it wasn't Cuthbert. One of the wingers. Yeah, um, it was. It was, was Cuthbert. It was Cuthbert. Just this like, mental engine. I remember when we um, when we spoke to Johnny BT the first time on this podcast, he he was raving about like the great work rate. And I sort of was a bit like, oh, right. I just sort of thought of him as more line-out operator, but maybe a bit on the flashier side of forward play. But I think that was a complete wrong uh, preconception. And yeah, just the, the renaissance continues. I saw um, it was Alan Dimmick put up that he's been the most kind of like influential kind of defensive line-out operator of this uh, 
of the Six Nations. So he's had what, four steals and one kind of disruption, which, again, for a team where lineups have never been a particular strong point, it's obviously great to <laughs> great to have someone in in that role. And also, I did see that I think Richie and Gilchrist are the are the only two second rows to have started a match and not missed a tackle. Yeah, I was Love just going to bring that up. They, I think the other stats were as well. They've got that on the positive side of the ledger, but <laughs> they're all the least carries per second rows and least meters made per second rows per carry. But I think that just goes to show, you know, their job is in the tight mainly and at the set piece. I yeah, I like that. I think prop yeah, exactly. props the second row just ruck and tackle. I don't even I don't even need dominant tackles, right? Just like stop them on the line. And then just let like your Fagusons, your George Turners and your Richies just kind of go around trying to trying to make yards and uh and murder people. George Turner specifically. I was going to say George Turner again turning in another another high quality performance. He's definitely got, got a, like... high, a high tackle. He's got that. He's definitely got that red card in him. <laughs> the way the way he throws himself oh, yeah. around, he is yeah. an absolute brutal. I mean, him or Fraser Brown both have that there. I sort of two and, options yeah. at the moment. And partly what makes them so great, right? I just think yeah, just, they live know. on the edge. Yeah, not like it's and they both look a bit insane. Not like so that's the problem. Johnny Matthews just looks like too nice a guy. He's never going to get started, too, for Scotland without that sort of crazy eye that you need to bring. Same with Cherry, even further along. Yeah. Like, Cherry just looks like a really nice guy. Chez does it, a nice guy. Famously, <laughs> from the top of the podcast, not a good-looking guy, though. Man. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think he looks like, you know, a wee bit scary. We, we fully, fully bald, you know. That's always quite scary. Also, a wee in bit front, scary, In the yeah. front row as well. <laughs> but uh, I think, I guess the thing with Turner is we obviously always know how good he is and loose although I, I think he's probably taken it up a notch just in terms of the for, the ferocity of him how, how quickly he hits contact with mm. sort of no real regard for for his body but then sort of layered on top of that just being like super super solid in the set piece and ultimately probably i would say going above his usual sort of average um, for for club and country. Well, I think I think particularly given he hasn't really played that much this season or as much as he would have wanted to, that was a bit of a worry before the Six Nations. But yeah, I agree. It seems as if maybe this is the Six Nations where because Scotland are playing started so well, also where people commentators outside of Scotland are starting to take notice a bit and sort of actually appreciate him for the form that he's been displaying for a couple of years. To be fair, maybe George Turner becomes like our Johnny Sexton. Where he like we only sort of like roll them out for like the big internationals and like one or two sort of club games a year. <laughs> or Nick Haining, you mean? Or Nick Haining. Yeah, we've already got one. <laughs> we've already got one. Do, do you think uh, just on that? It feels like it's all just been a bit too much easy, too easy. So much consistency moving from sort of game one to game two. Is is there a Haining in Tunic? Just like a completely like left field Tunic Tombola to come. I think the interesting stuff's going to be in that you've got now Scott Cummings, Rory Darge, Ollie Kebble all back in full training at Glasgow. Whether it's a Haining out of left field or, you know, Cummings, you would have said six months ago, he's a, he was a nailed on starter with Johnny Gray in the second row. Um, Rory Darge made his breakthrough game against France, offers something different on the floor. Hamish Watson potentially coming back. There's some high quality problems for the France game, I would say. Um okay. 
Agreed. It'd be interesting to see who gets game time this weekend for Edinburgh yeah. and Glasgow. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for purely narrative sake, it would be fucking hilarious if Nick Haining starts at eight against France. Matt, Matt Ferguson <laughs> absolutely tearing up trees and they're like, sorry, we're bringing in Nick. He's going to yeah. give us a really solid 22 minutes and be completely fucked and then we'll bring you on. Be so <laughs> good. That first, that first half of Ireland three years ago, oh. I became such a Haining fan i was like i can't i, did, I never realized how good this man was we all believed that was wild i know <laughs> <laughs> i mean sticking it in the sticking it in the front row our, our our favorite place after talking about turner sanders return matt worthy of his place coming straight back into the starting 15 i think eventually i think he his start to the game was a wee bit slow um seemed to be uh penalized at scrum time um and I, th- I think in, in previous matches, Wynn Jones on the Welsh side has sort of had the upper hand, um, which looks a bit worrying when the game was tight. And he, he also seemed to give away a series of kind of slightly brain-dead penalties when it, it was clear early on that if you just let Wales have the ball, they weren't really, and didn't give away penalties, they weren't up to much. They weren't really going to get anywhere. So I was getting a bit frustrated with them, but then sort of settled down a bit, got himself into the game, um, 17 tackles from tight head prop, zero missed, is is pretty mental. Um, and I think his carries were pretty effective as well. And it seems as if the scrum, probably weren't too many scrums in the second half, but seemed to go okay. So overall, continuing his coming back from an injury, pretty, pretty good showing. I think um, the two main issues in that first half, because you're right, it, it never felt when Wales were going through the phases, especially sort of outside of Scotland's 22, that they felt they felt it felt like Wales were going to make substantial sort of breaks and gains. It was really was kind of Scotland doing penalties and giving Wales field position that was um, letting them sort of move up and up the pitch. But the two issues were one the scrum, and the second one was at the breakdown in that first half. Wales mm, were yeah. winning, and I guess probably the the heartening thing from the second half was they seemed they managed to sort both those problems and in the second half scrum didn't be, wasn't an issue we weren't you know we were potentially in the ascendancy we weren't losing and then at the breakdown I don't know whether we were putting in more men or whether we were just protecting the ball in some way a little bit better but we we didn't seem to be giving away just that constant that, that cadence of just kind of breakdown penalties that the first half just kept kept bringing so the the other Ferguson on the pitch I mean Alan is this a real sort of coming of age tournament for Matt um Ferguson 20 20 tackles this week to add to his 27 from last week he's on track if he keeps up this to get the most tackles completed in any six nations championship I believe from somebody on Twitter that that is 85 and he's already on 47 from two games bloody egg Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could be the could be the first triple dig Six Nations tackler. It'd be great to see that. And do you think that you were just a little bit premature on your call for Matt Ferguson for the Lions? You just went one too early. I know, I did. If I hadn't been for COVID, I would have been there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> would have would have would have absolutely crushed it. Um but no, I think he's he's good and and I think, you know, clearly it's kind of his defensive stats that are sort of um, getting him all the plaudits, but I think even in an attack, he he, of all the forwards, is the one that seems to, especially in kind of the the tight, be able to get on the front foot. 
and you know there was there was a couple of examples where he's kind of coming off um ben white and he just has the footwork to be able to even find kind of like mm. the softer shoulder in the tight which i think is kind of like a really you know a really great trait to to have so so no i I still think he's probably like a tier. He is a tier below like your Doris and your Aldrites, but he's definitely you know continuing on a pretty like amazing trajectory. And I think you know start of the autumn we were having the big conversation about him or Bradbury, and it you know it's, it's ultimately just not a conversation anymore, right? He is he is the starter for the foreseeable future. I think it's it's interesting the comparison with a Doris and Aldrites because I think they're actually I think we we want from our number eight. A Doris or Audrey type, but I actually think that Ferguson is evolving into like a slightly different player, whereby you know he still makes um, the carries. He was the top carrier um, for Scotland, but 50 meters. Um, and I saw some other stats that show that you know carry effectiveness overall, so amount of carries and, and meters per carry so far out of back rows. He's sort of in the middle of the pack, but then you look at the amount of tackles that he makes in every game and it's like absolutely massive and maybe he's just more of a kind of six slash eight in in some sense and he's not necessarily the person that we're looking to the whole time to get over the game line because that's maybe just not actually the style that suits scotland really want to move it away slightly from the breakdown um, and even let someone like Duhan do a lot of the the big carrying I guess the fear is sort of looking forward to France and Ireland. Do we think that then becomes a bit of an issue? Because you're right, I don't think we've we we haven't really been sort of punching holes, kind of. Yeah, yeah, around. yeah. I mean, so, yeah, totally. But I, I mean, it's just I'm just making the point that like for for Ireland at the weekend, Omani, Vanderfleer, and Doris made 26 tackles in total and did. Yeah, yeah, 26 yeah. or 26 last week in one game it's just maybe like they're they, they're up to slightly different roles I expect them to to completely replicate the um particularly the carry stats but but i agree i think there's one thing that you take from ireland is the, the footwork they're all their forwards for they, they carry trying to shift the point of attack and i think Ferguson is very good at that as well no and and i think jamie ritchie's improved quite a lot of that in that in that respect as well do, do we think every match six nations is going to end with a jamie ritchie turnover pen <laughs> would be great and also no one's really talking about george horn's tap and go which uh you know if he hadn't been pulled back i wonder if he was i have never not been able to see kind of a camera angle but he he was pulled back by one of the wales players and they got a, a, another penalty but I, I, yeah. I wonder if he hadn't been caught, pulled back whether he was off and it was like going to be like a, a 90 meter sort of, um, or at least a potential sort of 90 meter try. I love the ambition. I, I so think good. I get the sense when he he stood up afterwards, he was like laughing that he just did to fuck with the Welsh, and that <laughs> like he knew that the temptation at that point would be to tackle him, and like not necessarily that someone would get a yellow card, but they get another penalty. I I or maybe he thought he could go the whole way. I don't know. He looked good when he came on. Though. To be fair, it would have made it would have put us um, top yeah, of the six top. nations, right? Yeah, yeah. Point difference. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew, man. He knew. We when we when we get to the end when we beat um, France and then draw with Ireland and then lose to Ireland on points difference, we'll uh, we'll rue the day. 
<laughs> Speaking of people that looked good when they came on, Blair Kinghorn called into action an awful lot earlier than he would have um, expected. Stuart Hogg failing an HIA probably only after about 10, 15 minutes, but BK15. I think we just wasted a lot of time with him at 10. Should have focused on him at fullback, you know? Guy can play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does feel as if pretty much everybody from the outside was saying the same thing when this the whole time this experiment was was happening. That we, we said it to a blue in the face, like all the things he was doing from 10, he could do equally well, if not better, from fullback. And he's had two shots in the Six Nations and like showed everyone that that's the case i want the it's, kinghorn tell all i know we're not going to get it for until at least he's retired but i just want to know like what he was thinking when this was all happening <laughs> yeah ag- agreed whether he's you know maybe maybe he said i've always wanted to play 10 i think it's my best position i don't know looks like he's pretty happy at 15 i kind of feel like mike blair sold it to him and he maybe just got caught up in it all and now everyone's like oh, let's just move on I think it was happened. all rolled into like a new, was it all sort of around the time, like a new contract as well? They're probably like, Luke Blair, we're going to be an extra hundred grand. You're going to play a bit of 10. And he's like, this is fine, guys. I'm chilled. I don't really care. <laughs> there, There isn't much of a better sight than when Kinghorn comes onto the ball at pace and he's such like a long rangey. Oh, his runner. stride length is yeah. so insane. Yeah. Yeah, so different to George Horn. Every every yeah. one of King Horn's strides must be like three George Horns. <laughs> and it, and the thing he's he's fucking quick. Like oh he, yeah yeah yeah. He oh he's so quick. Hit the hit, hit the ball at pace and you know that they were just especially in the second half. Obviously in the second half, just Finn was whipping that ball out wide. Him or two Pelotu were just whipping that ball out wide, and kind of Jones, King Horn, and and Duham were just making easy yards every time yeah 100 110 yeah. meters from king from kinghorn off the bench uh is mental so, so we'd be a great super sub in uh, the fantasy game so yeah. jealous of people with him as a super sub <laughs> i mean i guess the, the, people. It, it leads it leads to the question let's say even even if hoggy does recover from his hia you giving you handing Kinghorn the 15 jersey for France, or do you think that's one step too far? You've got to, we've got to keep the face with Hoggy. Tough, think, tough one. I, yeah. I think you stick with Hogg, provided he's fit. You could make a case for either, but I like Kinghorn coming off the bench. I think he's a good option overall. Yeah. Versatility. And then I just wonder if it, it seems if Hogg this tournament so far, and the Welsh game is a write-off, but he's just doing kind of he's being solid. He's kicking quite well, um, reasonable under the high ball. That maybe you need that for for the France game, particularly at the start start of it, where it might be a bit of a cagey affair, a little bit tight, and just provides you with a little bit more experience and solidity from the back. I think I agree. I, I, there's part of me that loves the idea of Kinghorn, but you got to remember that he, I mean, he's literally played like 80 minutes of fullback in the last two years, and he has looked really good in those. <laughs> in those 80 minutes but it feels like a stretch to to then be starting him based solely on those 80 minutes and coming in for ultimately who's probably Scotland's sort of greatest player of the last 10-15 years right I think uh, Hogg again still coming back a little bit from injury and is in the Six Nations anyway a bit of a big game player so I think uh, if he's fit, go with Hog. 
uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'd be surprised if Kinghorn got the same opportunities in the outside channels against France as he does against Wales as well. Not not to take away from his performance, but it's probably not going to be that kind of game. Agreed. And look, as I said, Wales are busted flush. Uh, I said it you know, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago that like their players about to go and strike. <laughs> Welsh rugby is in a complete disarray. So I guess it's then we beat, how them much, so, yeah. we beat them so badly they're considering industrial action. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Mike Lynch is outside the Millennium Stadium. They're, li- they're literally considering their contracts. They're like, we can't do this anymore. The working conditions are too bad. That's how badly we beat them. Incredible stuff. I guess it's then how much fate, how much, I guess how good it was that second half? Because we played really badly in the first half and we were still 13-0 up. And... You know, we went in 13-7 after not playing that well and being a man down for 10 minutes. And then we sort of opened up a little bit and we sort of managed to bash on a sort of another 20, 22 points. Yeah. So I guess it's just then how much was that second half a reflection of how poor Wales are versus how good Scotland were? Yeah. I think as much as we enjoy not only indulging in the hype, but really like stoking the hype of Scottish rugby, like I think we beat... An England side that is like a scratch team under a new coach, and then a really, really terrible Wales team. Like I do, I, I'm nervous about a rude awakening in in Paris. I, I, I do agree. I I would say though that at the same time Wales could be a very bad side, and I think they have been. Well, maybe not two years ago, but last year as well, when we lost them in Cardiff, but we still managed to find a way to lose. So I think it is still a sign of how much we've improved. In a sense, yeah. But even even though it looked at a point around that 30, 35 minute mark that Wales knew what they were doing, they were trying to get us into scraps, slow the game down, make it scrappy, um, kick the ball a lot. And in the past, we've been dragged down to a level and lost. And the fact we didn't do that, um, the fact we still had ambition and executed really well when we moved the ball wide, um, the line out was still solid. I think it's you know you could take that as a sign of sign of progress I suppose. Yeah, I think two things can be true. We have been good, but I do think we haven't been tested maybe as much as we thought. Like Wales, were you're right though. Wales were terrible when we went to the Millennium Stadium last year and we still lost. So we have moved on. That's fair. Quite- so I was just I was looking for some stats and I've just seen that Donald Trump has made a statement about Nicola Sturgeon resigning. I urge everybody to go and read it because it's fucking <laughs> mental. Sorry. <laughs> not not related to Scottish rugby, but it really took my breath away. Please go and have a look at it. Oh, um, Rogan, Trump, Trump uses Scottish nationality to become the new first minister rather than president. Be, oh, wow. That'd be, that'd be a rogue term. Banter age. It is the banter age. Trump, um, Trump in the royal box next to our sweet Princess Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a question for you. I know that the Finn offloads getting a lot of press, but the Finn crossfield for the Kinghorn try, I think, is better. Yeah, agreed. Totally. Agreed. I think I think quite a few players, you know, potentially some of these podcast hosts, could do the Finn offload. <laughs> it's really good, but I even think he would be like, yeah, I do that in my sleep. Yeah, it, it, that is his thing, really. He does that all the time, yeah, especially kind of like like kind of down the right wing, kind of pop out the right hand. But I I agree that the crossfield kick 
to do it on the run to not set your feet to take the weight off it enough land right in Duhan's breadbasket is there's there's not a lot of people who can who can do that for sure I don't think any of us could do that (laughs) there's something about the little kind of like dink kind of half court cross field as well yeah it's so great it's yeah so nice do you think do you think Duhan has become a better rugby player in that he's not just you know a berserker that can just carry but like he's taking these balls he's passing them inside he's showing like little touches a bit more that is like I suppose that his softer skills have gotten a little bit better like and they're adding to his game and it's making him even more of a like a potent threat yeah it's it's interesting I'm still like I'd still worry against Ireland or France if and this is probably what Ireland will do just Sexton will stick bombs up on him all day yeah and you're probably not that confident um a lot of the time but I don't know if he's improved that much. I think he's always had the ability to to offload pretty well. Um, and his pass to Kinghorn, I think we've seen that kind of thing before, just because his mitts are so massive. It it just seems as if in, in the last two games in particular, and in the autumn probably for a bit, Scotland just actually managed to get the ball into his hands a bit more. Hey-ho, look what, look what happens when, when you do that. Like, <laughs> absolute chaos. The only guy that could tackle him on the Welsh team was Chinza. Yeah. And he's averaging 10 defenders beaten per match at the moment. Yeah. The, I saw like a, there was like a top 10 list of, because um, Capuoso beat 16 players that weekend or something, which is a record. And it was a, as, since, since Six Nations began in a single match. And it's all these like great names like Casting Ed and I don't know if Shane Williams is on there. And do hands on it like three times, three separate matches. <laughs> like, it's like, excuse me. And I think you know one or two of them are against Italy, but it still at the weekend, whenever he ran, it seemed like he'd be, be at least two or three men. Yeah, I would. I would say the one thing I felt that every time the ball got into Duhan's hands, there's that like palpable like sort of electricity around the stadium. Like people are so excited when he gets the ball. And I don't, I can't really remember a Scotland player ever eliciting that response from like a crowd. It's, it's quite something. Maybe, maybe, maybe Hoggy in his like real prime coming yeah. on the ball at pace. But I agree. Do do Ange just sort of like next level because people even have that feeling when he's not got a lot of space, right? Because you yeah, just yeah, know yeah. that he can just brush people off so easily. Yeah, he's bloody good. Speaking of bloody good, Hugh Jones. That guy, he is back playing good rugby again. Yeah, both both running and distribution. Yeah, and defending. He's again, like, I've seen, he's like, I've seen your memes. He's like, I've seen your comments about me being bad <laughs> at defence. And I've taken this personally, guys. Fuck he's, you. he's seen it on defence and also... I don't think he's been on holiday for like a year. I haven't seen, <laughs> that, I haven't seen him be on holiday for a while. That guy has been locked down to the UK. Sort of, maybe he's reduced like the five holidays down to like two. He's like, I'm only knocking out two holidays a year because I've yeah. seen the memes. I, I get, going back again, I agree on the defensive point. I guess, again, it's just how much has he been really challenged and, yeah. and stretched. Although, look, not, you know, North is was in his prime like a pretty world-class operator and and runner but i guess it'd be interesting again at the weekend when you've got like Fuku and pino sort of attacking that sort of outside channel that that's where it becomes you know you're playing up against like some of the best players in the world right bring back chris harris for france 
it's an interesting one. I know. You, sorry, I know you're probably the wrong person to ask. Yeah. You're, I, you, I, don't, I don't think you. Yeah. You can't countenance him ever playing with Scotland again. Yes, yeah, why you're talking about Hugh Jones so much. Um, <laughs> I, I think he should stick with it. I think that um, what last two games have shown, what he brings in attack. I think the way he's playing as well, he brings the best out of Tupelo to Duhan, Stain. And even Russell to an extent, I think. I think that Russell knows that he's gives him a bit more of an option yep. um, outside to Palutu. Um And the outside arc that he took was, was so nice as well. And just the way that Harris, for all his strengths, is just never going to give you that. And the fact that he has been defending reasonably well, I don't think there's much of an argument for, for dropping him, really. May, maybe Harris has done so well in the past against like even the likes of Vakatawa. So possibly in that regard, but I, I think you should stick to it. And two blues, two undroppable? It's, it's quite what well, I remember after Cardiff last year, and I kind of thought, yeah, this guy's like a decent club player, but he's pretty one-dimensional and he's not got enough for, for international rugby. And once again, I mean, what what do we know? He's been like so so improved this season. He's been absolutely class. And once again, just seems to link so nicely with with Russell and actually just make him tick on the whole. Great. It comes across really well as well. Seems like a yeah. great lad. <laughs> just loving life in Scotland. Very, I don't think he's very saw it disappointing reports about his brother committing to Australia. Oh, I know. I think it should, just, it should just be like, look, we'll give you a gig this summer. Like, come on. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you think Eddie Jones is picking you anytime soon, Moses? Absolutely fucking not. Exactly. Who else have we? Who, who haven't we talked Kyle, about? Kyle, Kyle Stain's the other one that Kyle I. Kyle Stain, of course. Who I think is just I don't know. He's he's uh, been a lot better, and I I think we all you know could appreciate him how good he is for Glasgow. But yeah, he seems to have just taken to Six Nations rugby really really well, and it's it's not just the try scoring. Like his his defense is really solid. No, and I think his work under the high ball is so really commanded. really good as well yeah yeah it just he seems like one of those like coachable players so if he gets into an environment then he's like pretty good to work with and a good coach like Townsend can can take him to another level I suppose yeah I'm loving it two tries deserve them both I mean walk-ins but fucking good no he's uh he he has looked really good and and I, know, I think it has got to the point now where unless Darcy kind of like plays for Edinburgh the weekend and scores sort of three tries, I I, I do think against France and, and and even Ireland you you stick with that with Stain and Duhan on the wings. I'm waiting to see Duhan like manhandle Mac Hansen. Oh. <laughs> guy, guy, that little kid. What is he all about? That that's got to be like the main focus. Just Duhan v Mac Hansen. I don't get it's Matt incredible Hansen. that Ireland are just like walking around with this massive chink in their armour. They're just like this guy. <laughs> like, everywhere else, they're unbelievable. They're like, fuck it, let's play Mac Hansen. See if it, see if we can still win. <laughs> <laughs> they are on opposite wings as well. Yeah. No. It, exactly. It's um, it's li- literally just needs to be like m- missed two every time Duhan just runs straight at him. <laughs> This is when Mac Hansen's going to score a hat-trick against us. It's my fault. <laughs> Definitely. 
Um, um, and then obviously the, other, the one we didn't speak about was obviously Crosby. Relatively yeah. quiet match. Kind of probably lost lost a bit of the breakdown. Wasn't able to really sort of assert himself, and then obviously had to go off for a part when when Turner was was yellow carded, so Fraser Brown could come on. It's um, you know, so obviously it was, it was a bit of a tough match for him. It's a tough of... one, you know. He he ground it out. You know, he's making his tackles, but it wasn't. I don't know. I wonder if Hamish Watson comes straight comes in for the France game. Tom English or either Tom English or Andy Burke seem to insinuate that he, for this weekend he wasn't actually fit to play. I made a comment on um, mm. Watson. So yeah, Watson wasn't fit to play. So it'd be interesting to see whether he starts for uh, for Edinburgh. Although look, I saw I saw him. He clearly just come out of a wee gym sesh at the village and he looked looked very swollen, big. <laughs> would he would he say the same thing about you? <laughs> I'd say very I was big. The face was swollen. Yeah, unhealthy swollen. <laughs> I, I still th- I think Crosby did what was expected of him. Once again, considering he only played 40 minutes, he made 12 tackles, which is um, more than Richie, for instance. Um, it just seems like maybe he didn't get enough of a shot, but the carrying game that we've come to expect from him at Edinburgh, he just hasn't been able to, to get going yet. Um, and it's not been like that much of an issue in the match, but I wonder if that will come with a bit more confidence and time. But uh, yeah, I agree. A point around the the breakdown, it it seemed as if we we lost out to to Rafael and Morgan in particular. And I think just having Watson in there would would get you maybe two turnovers a match that could be pretty crucial yeah. against someone like France or, or Ireland. Question for you: How much should the SRU just pay Racing? to not let Finn play at home mm. against Breve. It's like, yeah. Rassing, you're at home, Breve are like bottom of the table, but they do have like, probably got like a couple of quite big lads. Just, here's like 10 grand. Just just let it be. You'll beat them. Like, Breve aren't beating you at <laughs> in Paris. I feel like that that's a w- worthwhile investment. I think Maybe 10 grand's how, worthwhile, yeah. How, how much would you would you pay them? 20 grand uh yeah i was thinking maybe 25 maybe more yeah 100 percent. sru's flush it's fine yeah especially now they've sold out italy remember it's sold, it, is it sold out is it yeah they, they just they just announced that italy was it was going I mean, to be another tw- sold out murrayfield 25 grand is only two tables in the top uh in the top bit of hospitality in murrayfield 100 percent. like if finn goes down against breathe that will just look like the dumbest. I mean, maybe Racing wouldn't accept anything, right? But it feels like there's a deal to be made, especially because Racing are playing a bottom of the table team, yeah. or like second yeah. bottom at home. It just feels like you know that's not the game that you uh, you want Finn going away going away for. Yeah. So We're playing France next, though. Well, that is true. Oh yeah, FFR are not going to let that happen. Gatti is just. Gatier is like he has to play. Yeah. play eighty minutes. He's got a counter offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, I was just true. thinking. Do you remember when? Whatever happened? To, didn't the SRU have like an a wee NFT project going for a while? I made that up. I don't, World Rugby did. Oh, was it World Rugby? Oh, World Rugby and, and Ryan Wilson. And Ryan, and Ryan Wilson still doing the NFTs. Yeah. What if they made any money from that? Was Ryan know. Wilson? It was it was sort of like a John Terry style? uh nft wasn't it ryan wilson's one oh was it 
his his Twitter um, page is uh, is still an NFT of like some weird looking cartoon character. I think. So John Terry or Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson, yeah. <laughs> right. it's, it's interesting. No, World Rugby definitely had a, an NFT uh, strategy. Rugby, yeah, sorry. I, uh, since we're doing AOB, I had one from the Murrayfield experience. Alan, you and I talked about this, but they need to get the timings of Locke Lomond pre-match, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's standing there. There's at least one verse too many before kickoff. Yes. No, just, agreed. Like it reaches its peak and then it's like, oh God, we've got to go again. Yeah. No, about 20 to 30 seconds before that kickoff, like Log Loman was being blasted out. Um, and yeah, it sort of dissipated a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they do about that. But consider this constructive criticism, SRU, and a bit of feedback. I imagine they're just doing it to line up with the TV. But yeah, it, it really is odd. Was it on ITV? ITV just needed to get that 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 final like motorway advert where the guy kind of like accelerates yeah the um, motorway adverts are so weird, <laughs> so weird. they're so bad yeah, they're so crap i know i was watching uh, um there was for the england game like some of the adverts were like viagra and like incontinence like yes yeah. i was like <laughs> man rugby's demographic is fucking was it terrible like male, was it not like male um Incontinence nappies, like nappies. Yeah, it was like, nap- it was like men's nappies, yeah. And so, Viagra. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a need for that, but what, why, why, how has it got on primetime TV? Well, it must be like, what are, what is the demographic of people watching this rugby on a Saturday afternoon? And it is like clearly old men old who can't men get it up goat. and are pissing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> True. So yeah, maybe that's why we need Rock Nation. I mean, do you think over, Rock Nation over, had overall. something to do with Beyonce playing at Murrayfield? No. Definitely, definitely. That's not how these things work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's playing at the Stadium of Light. I don't think she I got that high standard. I know this is not... This is What What does Beyonce do in Sunderland? Like, what, <laughs> oh, she's, she's does, I want out. to know them. Yeah, I know, but where does she stay? Like, does she stay nearby or does she do it from London? Oh, I think she's, she's in and out. Like to London, back and from London, yeah. private plane or like, I don't know, chopper or something. Yeah, Teesside Airport. Yeah, yeah, like in and out. Backstage at the stadium, the light. Do you think she's even got like a green room, or if she's literally just like, I'm gonna walk onto stage, guys? Yeah, I think she's just, basically just straight from, from the, the from the tarmac. Straight, yeah. Even yeah, at Murrayfield, do you think she do you think she's hanging out in one of the suites, or do you think she's just like, <laughs> nah? Edinburgh's quite nice, but in the, she could be hanging out in the Thistle Suite. She could be in the Thistle Suite. Yeah. Part of the deal, Dodson's got to have two minutes face-to-face time with Beyonce. <laughs> and the Calcutta Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got to get a photo. Photo with Beyonce and the Calcutta Cup would be really yeah. good. That would be really good, content-wise. I don't think this is the, the the invisible hand of Rock Nation working behind the scenes. <laughs> they, they were, were like, in charge Luke, of Jay-Z. the Super Bowl halftime show, apparently. They were like, Jay-Z, Luke, just tell Beyonce... She's doing Murrayfield, all right? Just do us a favour. <laughs> and then if we can get Raven Hill in, that'd be also great. Yeah, exactly, Raven Hill. <laughs> I guess the Stadium of Light does sound quite good if you're presented to it totally cold. <laughs> but where are we playing? Stadium yeah. of Light. Great. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> I think we have digressed quite a large way here. We're going to do a preview pod next week, so we don't need We're to We're going to do a preview pod. Yeah. Um, at the moment, France are, I think, six or seven point favourites. So we will Oof. dig into that. 
Which is kind of the same as what England were, right? Yeah. It's about what England were, yeah. Scotland are now, yeah, we've got, um, I mean, Ireland are now like runaway favourites to win the championship. But our odds have come in from like really long to like, obviously we're two from two, so we're quite short odds now to win it. There you go. People have got the Grand Slam. I think it was like 50 to 1 or something. Nice little bet. It, is a take. it could be a tasty little one. We will see. But yes, we will be back next week to do a preview pod um, for France. It might just be Alan and I. Matt is, of course, waiting on his waiting on his child to arrive. Um, we do it from the do it from the maternity ward, Matt? Or how much sort of time do you need around that, do you think? Yeah, maybe. It depends how, I don't know, gassed up my partner is. Maybe I can sneak something in. Yeah. It's a bit of depends, doesn't it? There's a lot of variables there. Yeah, but we, you know, I try my hardest. Well, yeah, it's you know once in a lifetime things, first child and Scotland being two from two in the Six Nations, so there's a couple of big moments to consider there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but until then, follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod, and send us your ramblings into the mailbag, the Rugby at gmail dot com, and subscribe. And of course. I forgot to do it at the top of the show. I need to do it right now. You need to join our Fanzo League, which you can win pints of Guinness by predicting the results of the Six Nations. Um, we've got, I think, almost about 600 people in there. Um, my brother is third in the world at Fanzo. <laughs> what? He got two results spot on this weekend. Jesus He's, Christ. <laughs> I know. So is, is, he, is he winning our league then? Um, I think so, yeah. He's drowning in free Guinness. He's not the streets even win- of North Berwick are running black at the moment. It's extraordinary. He's actually he's second in our league. Someone is a point ahead of him. Oh really? They must be like. They, they must be doing in the in the, the Fanzo Global one. I think Andrew's like third or fourth. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So get yeah, they- get yourself one to Fanzo, and we will. We need to draw. Um, we need to put in the draw for the people who are going to win the tickets for Scotland Italy because that is now sold out as well. So keep an eye on our social channels. If you were in our Fanzo League before the kickoff against England uh, two weeks ago, you were entered into a draw to win tickets for Scotland versus Italy. So we will get that draw done and we will announce the winner for that in the coming weeks. So plenty to look forward to and Scotland march on towards the Grand Slam. Cheers and we will speak to you very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.